This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Today is Monday, July 17th. Woot, woot. It is my son's birthday. Welcome to the Busy Mom Podcast. So I've got a couple of heavy things to talk about today. I, um, I've been focusing a lot, as you guys know, on what's happening with my nephew, and um, I will continue to do those uh, to send you over to Miracles for Bobby Asa um, on Facebook, where my whole family is sort of managing, um, keeping everybody ap- appraised of his situation. We continue to covet your prayers for him. Um, and also... There's a lot going on just in the world at large right now, and I've been sort of unplugged from it for the last three weeks because of extenuating uh, circumstances with my family. And so I really appreciate everybody just bearing with me and your prayer for our family and for uh, for Bobby especially as we go through this. But I want to switch gears a little bit today and sort of come back to what I normally talk about with this, which is faith and culture. My heart, I've told you this before, is on fire for this generation of parents and mothers in particular, because we've been given such a tremendous opportunity to talk to our kids about what's going on in the culture and to train them in righteousness. So I want to kind of start with uh, Philippians uh, chapter four, verse eight. And you've all heard this verse before, but I want to say it again because it's so important in light of what I'm going to talk about today. Philippians 4, 8 says, and now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Last Thursday, I saw a video from a woman who I don't really know, but I'm sure many of you have heard of her. She calls herself the activist mommy, which I'm like, wow. <laughs> uh, I bet she's fun at parties. No, not really. <laughs> I was like, I actually, for the most part, I'm totally down with this chick. Like I watch what she's talking about and I'm like, yep, that's a problem. Woo, got to watch out for that. I get weary sometimes of hearing all the things that are sort of wrong in the culture. And I told my husband a couple of weeks ago, I would so much rather talk about what I am for And I want to be known as what I'm for rather than what I'm against. But the truth of the matter is we have to talk about both things because we are called as Christians to sort of live in the tension between truth and grace. So that means we're not always just bam, 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 here's some truth and we don't care if you don't like it or grace, grace, grace. We're not going to tell you the truth because we just want to be your friend, right? We're called as Christians to live in the tension of truth and grace, and that can be a very tiring place to be. It can be a very tiring place uh, to to live, but yet that's what we've been called to in this culture. And I think it's a very exciting time to be alive because we're being able to uh, to see the difference between people who are truly disciples of Jesus and people who would rather uh, just claim the name of Jesus, but not actually pick up their cross and follow him. So there's two things I want to address today. The first one is uh, the activist mommy's post I don't read Teen Vogue magazine. Actually, I'll just be honest with you guys. 
I don't usually read magazines as a general rule. You know, I, I go through, uh, you know, Walmart like the rest of you, and I look at uh, magazine covers. And while I'm waiting for my uh, for my bill to be tallied, I will sometimes read the headlines. But I don't. I I would be you know loath to pick up a magazine as a general rule, unless I am kind of a sucker at Christmas time. I will admit, I'm a sucker for uh, magazine covers that have cookies on the front of them. <laughs> so I might be inclined to pick up a, a magazine like that. So I don't really stay you know, much into the magazine, the realm of magazines. But this particular issue, uh, the last month's issue, June, the June issue of Vogue magazine is so egregious. I saw it sort of come across my Facebook uh, feed, but it was, you know, a couple weeks ago. And we were so involved with what's going on with Bobby. I honestly just checked out of pretty much everything except for maintaining my family at home and helping uh, my sister's family as much as I could. And so I took a look at kind of what's going on with Teen Vogue. And you guys, um, I'm I'm speechless, and I'm very rarely speechless, but there are articles in that magazine uh, regarding things that I would never talk to my kids about, ever, 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 certainly not to teens. Teen Vogue magazine says that they are targeting 12, uh, or I'm sorry, rather 11 to 17-year-old uh, kids, 11 years old, and they are talking to their kids about, well, you wouldn't even believe it. I'm not even going to say it on the radio because I know a lot of you have kids that are listening, but I just want to say this is for real happening. And at some point, mom and dad, we have got to stop being silent and just hoping it's going to go away. And so what this woman, this Elizabeth, who calls herself the activist mommy on Facebook, what she did was she said, listen, go to, and I thought this was great. She's not just complaining. She's saying, here's something you can do. So go, when, if you see that in your uh, in your grocery store or in a gas station where you, you know, frequent, uh, take the magazine to your, uh, to the store manager and say, hey, look what they're peddling to uh, 11-year-old kids. It's actually inciting indecency. And in some states, it's against the law, what they're posting in this magazine, given who their target audience is. And so I really liked, I, I like that she didn't just say, this is happening and isn't it awful? She said, this is happening and here's what you can do. So I guess I'm going to kind of, um, I don't know, Elizabeth, I should probably see if she wants to come on the podcast, but I want to just agree with her and say, you guys can actually have an influence. You can go to your grocery store, you can go to your local Walmart store, and you can say, please remove this from yourselves. It should never be seen by children. And that's the truth. And um, given the fact that, I mean, they were, we were leafing, you know, she was leafing through just a few of the topics in that magazine. And it was horrifying to me as a mother. As a mother of seven children, I would never, I'd be horrified if I thought my my uh, 12-year-old, my 14-year-old, or even my 17-year-old was reading that kind of garbage. Someone said to me, oh, it's education. Um, no, it's not education. It's indoctrination. It's trying to normalize what God says is sin and trying to teach your children that they can dabble in what God says is sin and actually come out unscathed, which isn't true. When God said, don't do this and don't do that, and please abide by uh, the rules of uh, by which you were created, he did it for your welfare and for your good. And our children need to know that what God says in his word is true. And so um, I would just encourage you, check that out. You know, someone said to me the other day, and so I'll just address it, you know, why do you care if somebody who's not a Christian, you know, they let their kids read this stuff? Well, clearly... Um, I'm not trying to hold somebody to a standard to which they do not subscribe, but I think all parents should be able to agree, whether you are Christians or not, we should be able to agree that teaching our children at age 11 
about the kinds of things that Teen Vogue is teaching them is absolutely and 100% irresponsible and unacceptable. And so I want to encourage you, take a stand. Uh, Sometimes your knees are going to knock. That's certainly what happens to me when I take a stand. But uh, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. And if we want things to change, we need to start talking about it. So uh, that's one thing I want to talk about with you. The other thing that's kind of hard, and I'm sorry, but it's Monday. And so I figure let's just get it out of out, out of our system now. And besides, I have a really awesome uh, friend coming on the podcast with me on Wednesday. And I think you guys are going to be super stoked to hear from her. Um, but the other thing that happened over the last week is that Eugene Peterson, who is um, a very beloved figure in Christian circles and is the author of The Message, which is like the living Bible. So a paraphrase, right? Not a study Bible, not to be confused uh, with a study Bible. A lot of theologians will argue uh, that Eugene Peterson has taken way too much liberty in writing the message. Um, I would never use it to study off of, but there have been many times when I've read it and thought that was a really thoughtful uh, way to paraphrase um, a particular passage in the Bible. But but last week, Eugene uh, Peterson uh, became uh, probably the most consequential evangelical to endorse same-sex relationships. He did a short interview with uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Merritt, uh, over at, uh, oh, what was the name of that? I think the Religion News Service. And I, I at first, I actually didn't believe it. I was like, no, uh, Eugene wouldn't do that because he studies the Bible. And as we're discovering, uh, not everyone who studies the Bible, not everyone who professes faith is actually reading the Bible uh, through the lens of, here, Holy Spirit, please, uh, please speak to me. And so when Jonathan Merritt interviewed um, Mr. Peterson about his views on same-sex marriage and his views on homosexuality, I was actually, uh, I guess, shocked is the right word. I was shocked at his lack of um, reference to the Bible itself when he when he answered, when he came up with his answers. And like I've been teaching people for many, many years uh, in my uh, speaking and also on the radio, um, it doesn't really matter what we think. And so I'm always telling people, listen, if it bothers you what I say, don't take my word for it. Go to the Bible. Go to the source. We have a generation of Christians who don't want to go to the source. We just want to you know, float around um, opinions and we want to talk about what we think is right and wrong, but we're not going to the source. So when uh, Jonathan Merritt threw this question out at Eugene Peterson, he started by saying, you're a Presbyterian, which can I just say right now? That was a trap. <laughs> like Eugene Peterson should have been like, ooh, wait a second, uh, someone just baited me. Because everybody who follows uh, religious news right now knows that an entire branch of the church in America, half the Presbyterians, not all of them, but that whole denomination split over this issue. So when Jonathan Merritt starts off by saying you're a Presbyterian and your denomination has really been grappling with some of the hot button issues we face as a culture... Uh, for me as a believer, and I've been asked this question many times, uh, the hairs on my neck would have been standing up. And I kind of feel like maybe I'm going to try to give uh, Eugene Peterson some grace because maybe he didn't realize he was walking into a trap, but he definitely was. So uh, Jonathan Merritt went on to say, I think particularly of homosexuality and same-sex marriage, has your view on that changed over the years? What's your position on the morality of same-sex relationships? All right, you guys. Just like I always do, I'm going to say to you, I mean, I'm curious like the rest of you to hear Eugene Peterson's opinion, but his position on the morality of same-sex relationships has no bearing in light of eternity. The position that we want to know is what is God's position? And that really is the question. And I kind of wonder if uh, Mr. Merritt would have asked Eugene Peterson 
that way if he would have been more thoughtful in his answer. But Mr. Peterson went on to say that he he hadn't had a lot of experience with it, um, but that uh, there are uh, lesbians in his church and the church didn't make a very big deal out of it, yada, yada, yada. He doesn't ever make a biblical case for the question that he's just been asked, which grieves me terribly as a woman of faith. Um, the follow-up question, and this is where it really got him into trouble, uh, he issued a follow-up question. He said, if you were pastoring today and a gay couple in your church, you were Christians of good faith, asked you to perform their same-sex wedding ceremony, is that something you would do? And Eugene Peterson replied, yes. And this is where, this is where obviously this firestorm, you know, sort of blew up and he has since uh, issued a retraction. I think it's important to say that he has issued a retraction, but like I told my husband, and we, we've talked about this quite a bit, I'm grieved that he would just blithely say, oh yeah, sure, I would do that without realizing what kind of a, you know, gasoline he just threw onto the fire of this argument because, um, his his uh, his evidence and what he says in his position on same sex marriage was largely just anecdotal. He was talking about the stories of same sex uh, relationships through friendships and pastoral relationships, and he reminded people um, how we should be we should be treating uh, those of us in those in, in the church. Well, actually, forget the church in the culture who struggle with homosexuality. And he's right about that. We we treat everyone with love and kindness and goodness. Um, but it doesn't change the nature of sin. And so I believe as somebody who holds to uh, Christian teaching and to what is clearly taught in the Bible and has been taught historically for generations, um, I believe that Peterson was very wrong to say what he said. But, and this is kind of where I want to, I want to take this conversation for just a moment today. I understand and I feel for him in that, um, he, I, I get from him that he's sort of culture worn, because what's happening is Christians right now who who dare to stand on the truth of Scripture and hold fast to to the doctrines of the Bible on issues like homosexuality are are being beat up on just about every front out there. The Bible says that they'll know we are Christians by our love, and I think that has to be the overriding thing that we. Uh, that we are known for in the culture right now. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I'd rather be known for what I'm for than what I'm against. But the truth is, and this is, uh, I read an author say that he heard um, in Peterson's interview, a theological sigh, was an admission that the existential toll of living and serving among those to whom he would have to preach repentance was simply too much. And it becomes uh, burdensome and it becomes tiring. And so what do we do? It's just, it's kind of like when your two-year-old, when you've been chasing your two-year-old around all day long and it's 4.45 and you're watching the clock and you're going, okay, at five o'clock, my husband's going to get off work and he's going to come home and I'm going to have another adult to talk to. And I don't think I can do this anymore. And at 4.49, you see your toddler with a Sharpie and you just go, I don't care. Color on the wall. I'm too tired. I can't do it. I'll clean it up later. I kind of think that's what Peterson did in his interview. I think he just got tired because he issued a retraction later and said that he holds to the authority of scripture and he declared his support for the biblical definition of marriage. And I hope his retraction was authentic uh, for uh, a myriad of reasons. But the point is, I think it's easy for us to get culture worn and it's easy for us to forget that there's a battle happening around us for the minds and hearts of a generation of people who are lost. And so to say, uh, and so when people ask me, you know, why are you so passionate about mothering? 
That's why. Because I can't afford to grow weary in well-doing. I have children (laughs) who are watching me, and now I have, wait for it, grandchildren. And I sometimes think, boy, this must have been what what the Apostle Paul was talking about uh, to the, to the Galatians. Do you guys remember this? So in Galatians uh, chapter six, verse nine, uh, the apostle Paul said, you know, he's trying to rally the troops. Can you just see him? Think about what the apostle Paul is living through at this time. What's happening in the culture around him? What's happening to other Christians? Oh my goodness. What's happening to the disciples when Paul makes the statement? And I, I can almost just see him and sort of my heart uh, wells up with um, with sympathy for where he was at. And I also look at the culture I live in today and my heart is just broken. And I think this is why he said this. He said, let's not get tired of doing what is good because at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. The Apostle Paul saying, don't get tired of doing what is good because good things are coming because a blessing is coming. And it's so easy for us, I think, just to uh, to shift into neutral and to shift into sort of, uh, we can go, you know, like I've said before, sort of the ditch of we don't care and, it was, and it's all grace and it doesn't really matter. Or we can shift into like full on, this is war, we're fighting against this particular thing. We're not. The Bible says that our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's not. It's against principalities, it's against evil evil forces um, that we can't even see that rage all around us. So I want to point you again back to Philippians 4.8 in light of everything that's happening in the culture. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And can I just add, point your children to things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Surround them with good books and good teaching and good literature. And if they're watching television, good movies, there are lots of them out there. But we are called as Christians to fix our eyes on things that are good and true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. And it gets harder and harder in the culture today. But I'm just going to encourage you like I've encouraged my daughter and my uh, my two daughters who are grown and my son and just saying every day, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And in the meantime, will you just join me in praying for the church? Would you join me in praying for the church? We have got to know the word of God so that we can live as salt and light in the culture today. That's really my heart for you on this Monday. I'm going to come back on Wednesday with a brand new friend of mine. I know you guys are going to be so encouraged. I was so encouraged to read her story and hear what God's doing in her life. If any of you have ever struggled with anger, um, if you came from homes filled with anger, if you're experiencing anger now, if you're an angry mom or an angry wife, Um, come back on Wednesday because you are going to be thrilled at what God has done in the life of of a new friend of mine, Lisa. And she's going to explain to you what it means to get set free from anger. And I think you're really going to be encouraged. So I am expecting good things on Wednesday, and I will look forward to seeing you back here then. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.